As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. and welcome back to another episode of Wings for Breakfast. As it happens, our last episode of Wings for Breakfast, our twice-weekly, formerly twice-weekly podcast on The Athletic, presented even in death by BetMGM. Um, this actually is our last episode. That's not a joke. Uh, this show is coming to an end after, I believe it's 128 episodes, 120-something for sure. It has been an absolute blast, um, and this one is indeed the final episode. Yeah, I think, um, you know, we checked with the international authorities and Rohan really does have that power. And so uh, that's it. No, in all reality, um, you know, just to be fully transparent, I'm going to, it's me stepping away here to uh, focus on life with a child on the way and, and a lot of other responsibilities on my plate. There is nothing more to it than that so uh but we figured we'd have a little bit of fun with uh our little goodbye here you know you you can run a hockey podcast with a doctor you can run a hockey podcast with a parent but you probably are asking a little much to run on with a doctor who is becoming a new parent yeah at least until i figure out what i'm doing you know that's a that's gonna be the big challenge here so (laughs) until i know what i'm doing let's uh I'm going to have to take some time to figure that out. Absolutely. It's been uh, such a joy to do this show, man. Like I'm, I'm really bummed that it's ending, but I'm also really happy that I do feel like we're going out uh, before we've kind of lost our fastball, so to speak. Yeah. I mean, you know, this is uh, not to bring too many uh, Detroit vibes in here. There's Barry Sanders going out and when he's 30, it's Calvin Johnson going out at the top of their careers and and hopefully we feel you know you all feel the same way i certainly feel that we've been able to do better and better work as we've gone on but uh we're able to call our shot on our exit yeah and that's why you know we are just going to kind of end the show we're not going to kind of 
do too much of like a, you know, oh, we'll see, pause, whatever. I mean, I'm not going to close the door to anything in the future um, that could come up because I really have loved doing this show uh, for the last two years. Uh, but, you know, there was no chance that the show was going to go on in any way without Prashanth. I mean, that would be uh, the phrase that I used was uh, trying to do the post Michael Scott seasons of The Office, and I had absolutely zero interest in that. So uh, this will be the end of Wings for Breakfast, uh, unless there's some kind of weird revival, I guess. But uh, I don't want to, I don't want to get people's hopes up too much with that. As much as uh, you know, who knows? I'm, I'm not going to close the door to anything in the future. Yeah, I mean, maybe David Stern lifts my uh, gambling suspension and allows Michael Jordan <laughs> back into the league right now. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's exactly it. Uh, in terms of stepping out uh, while we're on a high, I think it would be doing a disservice to everyone to to try and put on the podcast without you know the necessary prep work that I think both Max and I do to just give a show that's got all the information and as detailed as we can be and as much kind of forethought and foresight we can put into it. And so I, I don't necessarily want to give you guys that same thing if – if I know I can't put in that work, even though Max is always going to be grinding and putting in that effort. So that is, that is the reason nothing more, nothing less. I won't rule out a comeback either, but like I said, I gotta, I gotta first figure out how to be a dad. Well, I just wanted to say thank you, man. Cause it's, it's been a blast. I have uh, not only enjoyed the show, but I feel like it's made me a smarter hockey watcher and reporter. I feel like it's made me better at my job. I, uh, you know, the, the amount of times people probably don't realize that I have texted you, uh, at all hours of the day and night to, uh, just not the morning to, uh, ask, uh, questions about, uh, you know, stats and how to use things and how to make sure that I'm using the right one and how to make sure that I'm not going to use something misleading or how to access some of these databases. Um, not just like helpful, but like formative into how I look at the game, how I approach analysis for my job. And that stuff's going to stick with me as long as I'm in this business. At least I hope it does, or else I'm going to be a worse reporter because of it. Yeah, I mean, same same right back here. I think uh, for those that have followed me for a really long time, I think I used to be far more reactionary than I <laughs> than I am now after doing this podcast with you for a couple of years. I've sort of learned to take things through a measured glass and and really sort of see all angles of it and sort of recognize how little information we operate off of sometimes and just all the things that happen behind the scenes, particularly in the Red Wings organization where there's just not a lot of stuff that's coming out um, every single day in the post, the press conferences are, are you know, sparse and, and you're really only getting what Steve's willing to, to let you have. And he's point blank about it where he's going to tell you, don't read into <laughs> anything I'm doing. And so, you know, taking, you know, really having that understanding and the ability to sort of take that measure, I think has been a huge thing I'm going to take away from, from doing this podcast with you. So I really appreciate kind of how much that side of you has rubbed off um, you know, on my, at least uh, the way I form opinions, maybe my one good trait. So that is a good thing. Um, I, I did want to say one thing, uh, we're, we're, we're going to be actually very indulgent on this episode. I'm going to be honest with you. Um, but before we get into some of that stuff, uh, I just want to say something that I certainly would not have said during the first two years of this show, because I, uh, didn't want to have this show end, but, uh, an NHL team should hire you, and I hope that that happens. I don't know what your interest level in it is, actually, to be honest. If you don't have time for uh, for for this, I imagine you're not swimming in time to do uh, some NHL front offices bidding here. But uh, I have thought for a long time now that some team, whether that be the Red Wings, whether that be someone else, would be much better off having you uh, in their ear constantly. So uh, 
something that I certainly would not have said while I was worried about them stealing you from us. But now I can say uh, there are many teams out there who could really, really use you. Well, I, I certainly appreciate that. I think, you know, the, the imposter syndrome sense of things where you just never feel like you know enough <laughs> to, to really be there. It's always pervasive. It doesn't matter, yeah. you know, how far along you get in life. You still always feel that way. But, um, you know, I mean, the interest is always there if it if it makes sense, uh, you know, financially and if it lines up sort of with, you know, region and or at least the ability to, to stick around uh, and be around Detroit. But I mean, I love Detroit sports so much that it'd just be so hard to to really do it. So I think even if push came to shove, it would be be really hard to do something that helped the team that was not the Red Wings. So let's just I'd probably leave it at that. And that's probably why I'm not going to go anywhere. And you're still going to have to deal with me on Twitter. Well, I hope we don't lose you on Twitter. I mean, that'd be devastating. So. You know, I mean, someone's got to have the bad takes out there. Someone's got to be unabashedly objective no matter what happens, right? And just to a fault at some time. So we, we would miss that in Red Wings Twitter, I think. We would. All right. So uh, to kind of celebrate the end here, uh, we did ask a few of our most frequent uh, kind of question askers and, and Twitter interactors with the show if they wanted to say a couple words, kind of a... A uh, little funeral vibe here, I guess. I guess they're kind of eulogies, uh, if that's the theme that we're going with. So um, just because I felt like as much as we were the ones talking every day, I felt like this was your guys' show in a lot of way. I think we, we did try to uh, turn over the reins as much as possible and let you guys shape the topics, shape the, the conversations, and with whether it be with mailbag or with just an outright, can you guys talk about this for 20 minutes kind of thing. And so I felt like it was only right as we go out to kind of have some of those voices uh, have their say too. Some of it was really fun. Some people I got to hear their voice for the first time. Most of the people I got to hear their voice for the first time uh, as they were doing this. And so uh, we'll, we'll we'll do a couple of them throughout the show and uh, we'll get started, uh, I guess, with, with these first couple to a uh, couple of listeners that we've had uh, since the very early days, I believe. Hey everyone, it's Linda here. You may know me best by my Twitter handle at lindylou266. Prashanth reached out to me to speak on this sad day, and I'm going to try to do justice to that honor. So here are the top five things I'm going to miss the most about Wings for Breakfast. Number five, the intro. The bass in it makes the windows in my car rattle like a lowrider pulling into a 90s high school parking lot. Number four, Max, I'll miss you getting fired up enough on a topic to drop the rare F-bomb, despite the fact that your voice is never going to convey that it's coming. Number three, I appreciate your willingness to use your reach for good in inspiring the Wings fan base to donate to the Jamie Daniels Foundation this year. Number two, listening to you guys try to propose different viewpoints when really we can tell you both are in agreement and we agree with you too. And the number one reason I'm going to miss Wings for Breakfast is because, Prashanth, I am going to miss your ability to explain analytics to me like I am a five-year-old. Seriously. Thank you. Thank you both for this podcast. I am significantly more educated as a hockey fan because of you. Prashant, I wish you all the best as you welcome your first little one. And Max, remember, we'll always welcome the pod back if the possibility arises. Thank you both for being such good companions on my commute all these years. I'll miss Wings for Breakfast for sure. Take care, guys. Chenna this is Lars, your prophet from across the pond. A little bird tweeted at me that you're folding the Weird Takes for Breakfast podcast, and uh, as Max of many words have written himself out of the script, and Prashant of many numbers have succumbed to calculated madness, it's been quite an alarming journey for me who have listened to you guys since day one. 
to hear how your undying love for the Golers had turned into phobia and delirium. And as Prashant embarks on his quest to find himself and the essence of his existence as the Red Wings' future e-bug, I wish him all the luck in the world. And Max needs to go on a pilgrimage to Sweden to write the Gospel of Elmer Söderblom to spread the word to the masses. Jokes aside, guys, thanks for the podcast. I'll keep bugging you on Twitter about prospect goalers and other random stuff, and I really hope, really, really hope that you find the time to do other podcast ventures in the future. Until next time, see you guys. Well, I'm going to make a pilgrimage to Sweden now. I, I kind of feel like I have to. I think I get to bring that into my my pitch meeting with my editors to say, look, you know, I, the people demand my pilgrimage to to Sweden. I mean, at this point, if the Red Wings are just going to keep drafting people from Sweden, <laughs> you might as well get yourself over there. I tried. Just... <laughs> I actually tried this year, but the I think it was two things. I think it was the the travel restrictions for this year, and it was the short term. No, because the the draft happens and then the season's already started, and so realistically. Uh, in order to time that up where I'm not going to miss regular season games, I have to do that trip within like six weeks. And that's really expensive to try to book international travel on like six weeks notice. But I really want to. Yeah, I mean, it's just going to shape up that way because once the Red Wings draft William Eklund in this year's draft, then then you're just going to have to find your way to get over there and watch him play next year in the SHL. Uh, you know that was just the first of what I assume are going to be a ton of goalie jokes on these, right? I mean, there just has to be. <laughs> if there's one theme over the two years we've been doing this, it is how much I hate drafting goalies. And yes, it is a little bit of, you know, getting at myself in the sense that that's what I grew up playing. And that was a position I love playing. And all my favorite players from the past are, you know, goalies. It's Dominic Hasek. I wore 39 for him. But don't draft him. Don't draft him. <laughs> They're, uh, I, I vowed, I, I vowed that we would never have the goalie debate again on this podcast. And there are multiple questions in the mailbag today that are basically <laughs> asking us to have this debate on the last episode ever. So I guess we're going to see whether I pick them or not. How how set in my ways am I that I will just opt to not read a question in order to avoid to uh, win my little uh, vow? We'll see. I mean, yeah. How how, how bad do you want to win a bet? Because you, you basically have sixty minutes to figure it out. So I guess we'll find out. Okay. Um, for segment one today, I kind of wanted to do, you know, again, indulging the fact that we're going away, uh, some predictions for what the future of the Red Wings holds in a uh, post-podcast world. We're not going to get to chronicle all of these things as they happen. So I wanted to give us a chance to call a few shots and analyze them uh, ahead of time, knowing that we won't get to do that once they once they actually occur. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, going to be an interesting next couple of seasons, I think. We've sort of alluded to this um, previously on other episodes that, you know, Eisman's done a really nice job making all of the the moves that needed to be made in terms of like the small moves. Like, you know, he allowed contracts to expire. He did a good job not bringing in expensive replacements. He did a good job not signing really long term deals to non elite players Um, has thus far navigated RFA well. He's navigated UFA well. He's navigated the draft well, at least to a you know, our extent in the, in the two drafts we've seen. Uh, but now is, now is the toughest part. It's you've got the footholds of a rebuild. How do you really take it to the next step? And so that's what I think the next two years for the Red Wings, they're going to be vital, really, and it's going to start with this summer. There's finally no easy decisions left. There's no slam dunks. I mean, sure, you should re-sign Tyler Bertuzzi. Sure, you re-sign Jacob Vrana. But even that, there's still question marks in terms of what you could do with them and and should you trade them? How, how should you go about all of that? And so uh, what I think I'm 
most looking forward to seeing is how he navigates this. And, and my personal opinion is Heisman's going to be a little more aggressive than a lot of people are giving him credit. I think a lot of people are saying, you know, hold the course, hold the course, hold the course. And that's because that's been beat into people for years. But that's because you had to. You had to wait for those bad contracts to go away. You had to wait for the lengthy, expensive deals to expire. Well, you know, you've only got two left in Franz Nielsen and and Danny DeKaiser, and you could conceivably buy out both of them this year at at, at a pretty nominal cost. So I think now is that time where you're going to see him start to turn up that aggressive down. I think a lot of people aren't ready for that. So what does that look like? What's what's the shot you're calling? So the shot I'm calling is by the end of next season, one of Tyler Bertuzzi or Jacob Rana is not a Detroit Red Wing. Um, I'm going to say that right now, even if he signs both of them this offseason, which I'm, I'm confident he does. But I'm going to say one of those guys is not a part of the Red Wings organization because he's made a decision either to trade one of them to try and land another first round pick or it's part of a bigger swap. Um, to try and go after a basically a Mantha deal. A big um, fish. Yeah, go big fish or, you know, something along those lines. But I think that would be my biggest bold prediction is one of those two is not here because they've been moved for the purposes of this rebuild. I like that. I think uh, I think there's a decent, a pretty decent chance of that happening. I mean, I, I think we that's something we've been talking about since the Verona deal as, man, if, if Mantha's not untouchable, who really is at that point? Yeah, I mean, you know, I've said out of respect to you, Max, I won't talk about trading <laughs> Dylan Larkin, but all conceivably, everyone should be on the table here. And that's, to me, what, what has to happen is you have to make a decision about which of these two aggressive paths am I going to take? Is it going to be the aggressive teardown that leads you to getting more 2022 and 2023 draft picks? You know, you pick on those teams that think they're better than they actually are. You know, we've talked about them. It's the Phillies, the Bostons, the the Chicago's, you know, Edmonton may even fall in this bucket, although McDavid may be enough to get you there. Those kinds of teams, if you pick on them and you maybe land some other, you know, first round picks, that's a way to go. And that really boosts your lottery luck, because if you look at this season, Red Wings are walking into the, uh, the, the lottery with under an 8% chance at landing the first overall pick and under an 8% chance at landing the second overall pick. And it's going to likely be that way because now they're going to start getting too good to actually be the worst team in the lottery. And so you want to have more of those lottery balls so that you can pull off something like Colorado getting Bowen Byram. You can pull off, you know, Ottawa being able to get Tim Stutzla. You know, you'd be able to to, to make deals like that. And so that's what I think is going to be uh, very, very important for the Red Wings is they either have to take that path and trade down or they have to take the path of how can we get aggressively better quickly so that I don't waste the prime of a Jacob Brana, of a Dylan Larkin, potentially of a Philip Peronic, potentially of a, a Zadina. How do I maximize that? And that's where, you know, you find avenues to getting better really, really quickly, but that's a lot more risky. So that's why I think, you know, maybe he goes down that aggressive teardown path, which includes trading one or two or three of those core guys right now. All right, so I don't know if my prediction here is uh, is in line with it or counter to it. It's not. I don't think it has to necessarily be either. But my prediction is this team is in the 2023 playoffs. All right, I can buy that. 2022, I, 2023, all right. Right, so, so not next season. I think they're still destined for a bottom five finish next year. And then I think you get one of those seasons that, that happens for teams as they're starting to inch out of their rebuild. It's not necessarily a permanent thing, and they're a playoff team uh, indefinitely beyond them. But I just 
envision that that 2022-2023 season, you have a non-Ricky Moritz Sider in place. Whatever the forward core looks like, you expect uh, an entrenched kind of group of, you know, Zadina, Valeno, Rasmussen. I think Lucas Raymond and Jonathan Bergen have broken through by then. And I think that's the moment where I think the, the, uh, the narrative on the rebuild turns to more like... Uh, what you would see in kind of where the Rangers are at right now. They don't, they're not going to have the talent the Rangers have kind of thing, but, but it's going to be suddenly that very promising team. Now, I think it's an interesting timing for that to happen because that is based on what Pierre Lebrun has reported, probably the end of Jeff Blaschel's uh, contract, unless there's uh, an extension or some stipulations that we're not aware of in there. But I think more importantly, one of the reasons why I'm predicting it is that is the last year of Dylan Larkin's current contract, which, you know, Considering that I started on the beat when that contract was signed is just crazy to me that we can already be within two years of the end of that contract. I remember writing a story a couple years ago on whether the Red Wings could build a contender in Dylan Larkin's prime, and the conclusion was kind of um, it, it's going to take some finagling, but but yes, possibly. Uh, I don't see them being a contender by 2022, 2023, um, and I don't think that's the end of Dylan Larkin's prime, but but that is the end of that contract, and so um, I think they squeak in as as one of the wild card seeds in that season, and I think uh, it'll be important for the Red Wings to put them in a position to do that because as they go into that negotiation with Larkin that summer, um, you know I don't think there's any doubt about where Dylan Larkin fits into this rebuild or anything like that, but I think you want to be sure that as you lock in term to a player that presumably that contract's stretching into his you know mid thirties essentially or, or or right up to them. Um, you know, you, you kind of want to have a sense for the direction of the franchise. And I don't think the Red Wings are going to rush this, but I think they're going to be in a position to be able to actually make that call. So I, I would, I don't know if I would have, I, I think I've been saying 2022, 23 for a few years. Um, but I think I'm less confident in it now, but I'm also going to still make that prediction as one of my, uh, final on the show. I mean, one of the reasons why that's such a fun prediction and really a bold prediction that is not out of the realm of possibility is you don't know what the 22-23 Red Wings look like. Yeah. There's exactly two players yeah. under contract for 22-23, and it's Larkin and it's, you know, Richard Ponick. <laughs> That's it. And and sure, you're going to have Jacob Rana get signed. You're going to have potentially, uh, you know, Rasmussen's going to have his deal. Philip Zadina's obviously going to get his deal. Um, Philip Peronik's going to get a deal. Tyler Bertuzzi's going to get a deal. So you, there's some makings of a team there. Right. But in terms of roster spots being open... I mean, be, before you hit 22-23, I mean, you're filling in Helm's spot. You're filling in Philpola's spot. You're potentially bringing back or filling in Luke Lindenning's spot. You're filling Nemesnikov. in on Sam Gagne, Nemesnikov, Stahl, DeKaiser, Stetcher. I mean, you're effectively, you have the opportunity to turn the entire team over. And and that's what makes it so fun is because, yeah, I mean, we look at the 2020-2021 Red Wings and say, there's no way they're in the playoffs in two years. But at the same time, the number of guys that may be on that team that are on this year's team, maybe like four, three, you don't know. And so that's where I think it's fun because it could very well be that Eisman goes all out aggressive and decides he's going to bring in a lot of different guys. And all of a sudden, the team you see two years from now is just vastly different than the team you saw this year. And that's what cap flexibility does for you. It is. And it's a great point because I think that's where it dovetails with your point about aggressiveness is with, with the amount of contracts coming up, not just this summer, but then also again next summer. Steve Eisenman's canvas here is as blank as you can possibly even imaginably get in, in, in the NHR. I, I don't think there's another team that really even comes close to the, the amount of you know blankness on, on their cap sheet beyond the next two seasons. 
There's really not. Um, and, and to be quite honest, it's just been masterfully done because if you look at teams that have done a really nice job with salary cap management, I'm going to, you know, it's the last episode. It wouldn't be the episode if I didn't bring up Carolina. <laughs> but what Carolina's done is they've done a nice job of really either locking in elite players to lengthy deals at below market value, or they've made sure that those other deals for filler players sort of stays uh, short and that they can continue to replace it. And this is something that, you know, they, they've done a, a really nice job of over the years, whether it was, uh, you know, bringing in guys like Cedric Paquette and Jesper Foss to replace a Ryan Dezingle, you know, finding ways to bring in Nino Niederreiter. They're constantly turning over those non-elite players and not locking themselves into the guys such that the only guys under contract for, you know, beyond 22-23 for them are Sebastian Ajo, Tavo Teravainen, Jacob Slavin, Brady Shea, and Brett Pesci. And, like, that's really nice cap management on the flip side. And so that's what you're sort of going for if you're Detroit, where you still have the opportunity to really turn over a lot of those non-elite pieces. But once you've got that elite player, you're locking them in, you're locking them up for many years, and you're trying to do it at a below market value such that you maintain that cap flexibility. All right, give me your prediction on Moritz Sider's 2021-22 season, his rookie year. Uh, I think he plays a full season, 82 games. I think he probably finishes around 24 points. I'm going to go with four goals, 20 assists. Um, and I will call that he is a he finishes fourth in Calder voting. All rookie team defenseman? All rookie team defenseman. I like that prediction. I think that's about right. I actually, he's been injured, hasn't he? So I, I could see him missing a few games and that being more like 70, 70 games. I think he, yeah, I mean, he's obviously had issues with injuries this year. He missed some time in the SHL playoffs. He missed a little bit of time in the in the regular season as well with kind of various injuries. You have to obviously make sure that there's no lingering effects um, because his SHL injury in the playoffs, there was concern for the concussion. Yeah. I mean, that's why he missed a game there. And so as long as... None of that really pops up. He does play a very reckless, I shouldn't say reckless, but almost oh, plays with reckless abandon. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's basically like reckless abandon in the sense. I mean, you're watching him at the Worlds and the hit he throws on Troy Stetcher is literally just get off of me sort of uh, kind of hit. So he's certainly going to put himself out there. But I think uh, the Red Wings are going to be very, very careful in, in terms of protecting him and making sure that he's sort of playing within his means and not necessarily putting himself in positions to take hits and get hurt. You know, I was going to try and force some kind of slight disagreement there to make it seem like we weren't just in a lockstep on that. Cause I think that's right about where I'm at in the, in the 20 <laughs> to 25 points range. But Linda just said in her little tribute that uh, it's, it's transparent when we do that and that we're trying to force disagreement. So I'm not even going to bother. Uh, I agree with you on that one. Any other bold predictions that you want to make uh, while, while the spotlight is on? Um, you know, I think probably beyond that, uh, I will make another bold prediction that I don't know if this will be well received. Jeff Blaschel will be extended again after his two years are up. I'm going to also say that. I'm also they, I mean, if that. they make the playoffs in 2022-23 like I predicted, I kind of have to co-sign that, right? Like you would assume that that's an extension. Right. I mean, if you're making the playoffs in two years and you're effectively saying that you're going to fire the coach that took you to the playoffs. Now, it's going to be interesting because expectations are going to change and, you know, the pressure is going to be on. But... Again, I, I can't harp this enough that Jeff Blaschel has not been given a talented roster to work with at any point in time. Every year, I, I so I laid this out in a tweet right when he was uh, re-signed, and I think he got 
maybe misinterpreted another way. But if you look at just the Red Wings roster from a goals above replacement standpoint and look at just the skaters on the ice, the Red Wings total sum of the goals above replacement for their team has finished in the bottom five teams every single year of Jeff Blaschel's coaching career. They have been 26th or worse every year, including 31st and 31st the last two years. And so to him, for him, how can you have the expectation of this team being better than they are when he doesn't have the talent around him? And then, you know, think about this year. Like if you just sort of step back and say, okay, what you and I both said before the season, we predicted, you know, somewhere around 43 or 45 points on the year and the Red Wings go out and they get 48. I think maybe you had 47 points. They get 48. Tyler Bertuzzi missed all but five games. Dylan Larkin missed a chunk of the season. Robbie Fabry missed a chunk of the season. And so you basically ended up, your, your second goaltender, Thomas Grice, had a horrific start to the season. And that team still outperformed expectations. So to me, I sort of am defaulting in, in my prediction here by saying that if you hand him talent, this may actually be a playoff team in two years. And then I think you have to you have to give him the extension. And that's what I think Eisenman's betting on. All right, my final prediction is that they are going to win one of the top two spots in the draft lottery in a week. All right. This would be the year, I suppose, right? After everyone's <laughs> poo-pooed the draft, that, that yeah, this exactly. is the year they win it, right? Uh, something like that. But I, I, there's a, I, I forgot what the exact number is. I should go look it up. But I think it's like three times in the last six years, the team in the number six spot entering the lottery has moved up. Uh, actually, the, the data would suggest that that means it's not going to happen again this year. But I'm going to say uh, it does. I don't know whether right. it'll be the first or the second, but I think they're going to move up to one of those two spots. Spicy. That's I mean, the one that's going to be quickly disproven, and then someone's going to find this in 10 days and be like, all right, I, these guys don't all know right. what they're doing. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, Max, you know, I know you want your Michigan player here. So <laughs> we'll get veneers of power after you win that lottery. So you know what? I was just to... so glad. So I, I put um, a name on that assistant coaches list that I did last week. And I, I was already texting you about this guy, David Oliver, uh, yeah. a coach for the Rangers. Like, you think he'd be good? He's got a player development background with the Avalanche. As I'm, I'm going through the rest of his profile, I'm like, oh, God, he went to Michigan. Prashant, and everyone is going <laughs> to think that I'm just out here suggesting him as a candidate because he went to Michigan. I didn't even know it when I was already <laughs> talking about it. Uh, so, But no one, no one dunked on me for it. So I was just really grateful for that. <laughs> That's fair. I mean, you know what? It, it's fine. Like I'm, I'm the same way. You know, if we're going to talk about basketball players, I'm going I'm to make sure we all know about. It's the North not. It's, it has nothing but... to do with it. It is, <laughs> it is truly my opinion that those are the two best players in the draft. Oh, I know, but it's so much more fun to give you a hard time about it. <laughs> fair enough. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24/7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. 
You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Uh, all right, we got a couple more tributes to get to here. So uh, here's some uh, many, many good friends of ours coming up here. Hey, guys, it's uh, Ryan, Brad and Evan from the Wing Wheel podcast here. Um, just wanted to come and, and thank you for everything you've done with Wings for Breakfast. And um, nope, just kidding. Screw you for leaving us out in the lurch. You're making us deal with all of the Eichel trade rumors, the uh, mock drafts, the expansion draft list, the million are we going to sign Landis Cog comments alone. Uh, and so for that, you're dead to, to me as friends and uh, have you no shame. Well, after the wonderful news of uh, Prashanth expecting a little one, um, I expected big things for Wings for Breakfast in the future. Now that the kids per 60 has gone up, uh, still only half of the kids per 60 on this podcast here, the Winged Wheel podcast, and then they phone it in. That's enough. One kid and they got to call it. With those rookie numbers, got to say, soft. I've never been asked to speak about something that I know so little about. <laughs> <laughs> can't say i've listened too much to the podcast but that goes for any podcast so don't take any offense to that at all including a hundred percent hours but in all seriousness uh you guys are great um just enjoy the added free time yeah all seriousness guys uh you did a fantastic show and uh we're all just that much worse off for not having you on air um Prashanth, best of luck to you and your uh, wife on your uh, little one. And Max, keep up the great work at the, at the Athletic. And it really does go without saying you both have an open invitation uh, and actually expectation to join us on the Winged Wheel Pod anytime. Cheers, guys. As a newer hockey fan, I'm sad you're throwing the napkin over the bones of this breakfast. But I'm happy to report I've learned a few things during your run. Prashanth, you're the only blue checkmark guy I know who shares my obscure hometown. And if you're a fan of the bars like I am, get in line, because Max, you don't charge for autographs. I did learn some hockey things, too. For instance, who knew the letter R contained that much computational cleverness? If the Red Wings know what's good for them, they'll hire you, Prashanth, if for no other reason than to keep Iserman from taking a goalie in the first round while you raise your contribution to the 2039 draft. At any rate, best of luck to you both. See you around the Twitterverse, and hopefully soon the arena. Well, here we are at the end, Ryan, Brad, Evan. It's time to step away from the airwaves you've so frequently polluted. Sorry, what? What's that? Prashant and Max? Prashant and Max? Is that one person? Oh, oh, the numbers guy. Right, the athletic. Okay, got it, got it. Dom Lushizen. Well, Dom, <laughs> enough with the numbers, mate. They're too hard to understand. Oh, not Dom. Hang on. I'm very confused here. Let me just Google. Right. Prashant and Max. Got it. Got it. The guy who always talks about ED and the goalie hater. Max, I cannot wait to read the human interest piece on Varana in pyjamas. Prashant, I'm going to need about 350. I'm very glad I was the one to cancel you. But this seems like a good segue now for Max and I to announce our new podcast coming very soon. For more details, follow us at... Sorry, I had to curb that one before uh, any, th- any further info got out, I guess. <laughs> <laughs>
Uh, I see Rowan's just made a power move. And I mean, you know, it's all, all credit to him, right? He, he had the authority to cancel us, and, and now he's just going to take over. I, th- <laughs> he's so funny. I died when he, when he said the numbers guy, the athletic. Dom Lucision. <laughs> I mean, just it was, it, was, it was flawless execution on your part, Rowan. Uh, that, was, uh, that was definitely uh, very well, very well enacted. And I don't think um, Ruth introduced herself, but she was the one who did the second one, which was great. Thank you so much, Ruth. And, and obviously a big thanks to uh, the guys from the Winged Wheel Pod. I think that's kind of how we started to get to know each other, right? Like through Rat, Ryan, uh, Brad, and Evan. Yeah, I mean, uh, I think they dragged us both onto the same episode to uh, to do a little mock draft. I think this was for the 2019 mock draft or maybe 2018 mock draft. I can't remember. It was not. Uh, it was 19, and I do remember one thing that we connected on was we both thought that Philip Peronic was going to have a big breakout season <laughs> in 2019-20. Yeah, that went well. well one of us kept that opinion. <laughs> And and one of us is very quickly soured. We're not going to tell you who if you can't figure it out by now. But yeah, I mean, uh, so so much shout out to them. And then Ruth, I really appreciate um, her taking the time to record that. Um, you know, sharing the same hometown. I'm from Grozeal, little island in the Detroit River, and so uh, I always love to shout that out. And whenever I run across people from there, it's uh, it's uh, wonderful how small of a world it is. It's really fun to hear some of the people's voices. Like earlier, like when I finally heard Lars's voice, like it was like, yeah, this is definitely Lars. Like you just knew, you know what I mean? <laughs> now, now you read the tweets in their voice, right? Yeah, 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 absolutely. That'll be one of the fun parts about it for sure. All right. Um, we're going to get to the mailbag now and uh, there's a lot of good stuff in there. One of them that uh, was emailed to me is from Chris Nodland. This is a little more involved. This is the kind of thing that I absolutely should have uh, texted you about and just didn't uh, for no good reason. Uh, so Chris wants us to put together uh, World Cup of Hockey teams. Uh, obviously, we do not have time to do that, especially considering I did not let you know about this at all. Um, but he wants the specifically the U23 North American and U23 European teams. I figure we can do uh, one of these two. You could either do like a Team USA or we could just do a Team North America who don't make Team USA. What do you think? Yeah, I'm game for whatever you want to, to do. Let's do Team North America um, because I think Team USA, there's a little more like established ground like everyone knows it's gonna be matthews line one eichel line two and then either larkin or jack hughes line three uh everyone knows the kachuk brothers on there kyle connor johnny gaudreau all that jazz let's do a team north america uh for the next world cup of hockey well i mean if you're gonna do a team north america and we're talking specifically um under 23 right uh yes i believe that is right Okay, so because, you know, that's that's an important distinction because guys that are going to age out, you know, Connor McDavid's uh, obviously out, uh, Braden Point's out, Mitch Marner's yeah. out, uh, you know, Nathan McKinnon's out. So a lot of those guys uh, that you're thinking about, uh, at least that would come to mind initially, uh, are already going to be out. So, when is this tournament? This is like two years? Sure, two years from now. So we're talking about guys who are 21 and younger? Uh, yes. All right, let's go with that for for simplicity's sake. So I guess, you know, to start off, a couple of forwards you have to think about, obviously, are the guys who just went in this most recent draft, uh, Quentin Byfield and Alexi Lafreniere. I think they're both going to be staples on that team. Both would Um, miss the cut for a real team Canada. Right, both would miss the cut for real team Canada. And so I think uh, those guys are are, are probably uh, both going to be on that team. 
And I think beyond that, you know, the decisions are, are sort of interesting, uh, at least from the Canadian side of things, which is where I'm focusing first. Yep. You know, guys that I'd probably throw out, Nick Suzuki uh, is 21. I think he had a really nice season. Maxim Comtois in uh, uh, Anaheim had a really yep. nice season. So, you know, I think he's another one to consider. Pierre Oliver-Joseph has had a nice season for, for Pittsburgh. Um, Connor McMichael is probably a guy that's going to come on yep. uh, real big. Dylan Cousins obviously had a really nice year too. Kirby Doc. Um, Alex Newhook, uh, Peyton Krebs. You know, those are guys that I'm probably looking at from the Canadian side of things. Uh, you know, Joe Valeno's an outside, you know, outside shot, I think. But I, I, I probably am saying no unless he has a big, big jump up, particularly because we've only thus far looked at the, the, the Canadian players. But those are probably the forwards that I'm looking at. Shane Wright? Shane Wright, yeah. I mean, Shane Wright, Connor Bedard, I don't think it'd be impossible to to include either of those guys. I mean, you remember uh, Team North America took Austin Matthews uh, pre, I think that was pre-draft, right? So it wouldn't be unprecedented. Bedard, right, yeah, yeah. So it wouldn't be unprecedented to take Bedard or uh, Shane Wright. So those are probably two other guys that you're probably throwing in there um, for sure. And then potentially, I mean... Uh, that's probably it from the Canadian side on forwards. Um, what about American Robert side, Thomas? Is he young enough? I don't think so. I think no, he's you're right. Because uh, he's going to turn 21 this summer. Yeah. So, so maybe he, he would be. I guess no, he's going to turn. How we do it. No, he's going to turn, sorry, 2023 20, this summer. Okay. 22. I don't know. I can't do math. He's July 99. July 99. So he's aged out. He's, he's, okay. he's going to be 22 this summer. Okay. So <laughs> the one I didn't say. <laughs> <laughs> All right, and then I think uh, Americans that you probably got to consider up front. Uh, Brady Kachuk is going to be on this hockey team, and he's going to be a, a no. He's going to be make, he's making Team USA. You think? He, okay, so you're going to reserve him for Team USA, which Absolutely. I think is fair. Um, Zegras, yeah. So Zegras, Caulfield, uh, Jack Hughes. Uh, Jack Hughes is probably on real Team USA. Yep. Uh, I'm going to say that Spencer uh, Knight. Spencer Knight's probably there in net. Um, you know, maybe uh, Oliver Wallstrom makes his theme. I could see that. Joel Farabee might make Team USA, but he's another guy to think about. Um, and then, you know, Arthur Kaliev could have a big year. Nick Robertson could have a big year. Uh, those are, you know, Shane Pinto could have a big year. Those are you guys got room to think for my about. guy, Jake Sanderson? Probably. I mean, if you look at the American defenseman right now, I mean, Cam York's there, Zach Jones is there. Uh, you know, Keandre Miller is there. Quinn Hughes, um, Quinn Hughes probably makes Team USA, but Keandre Miller's a maybe. So I think maybe yep. Miller, Zach That's Jones, and Cam York are probably your your best American-born defensemen there. And then obviously on the Canadian side, you know, Bowen Byram's going to be there. So uh, you know, he's he's a name to think about. Drysdale think, and Power would be, I would think, a good good yeah. fits. Yep. Yeah, Drysdale and Power, I think, would be good. Um, you know, Noah Dobson, Evan Bouchard, those are guys who probably don't make um, uh, team or uh, the yep. overall team Canada. So there are probably other guys you could consider there. But OK, let's um, start putting these together in lines and pairings. And so I've got a bunch of them in, in our little Google Doc that we work out of. I, I want to say right. line one, you're going to be going with like a Doc Lafreniere Perfetti line one. Yeah. I, I think that would be a heck of a line one and probably all guys not on the uh, not on Team Canada. So I think that's really solid. Okay, line two, I'm going to go with uh, Suzuki with Dylan Cousins and Trevor Zegras. All right, I like that. 
Line three, I will take... Who's my third line center? I might take Shane Wright at that point. Shane Wright, and on his wing, I'll give him Caulfield. Yeah. And McMichael or Byfield? What what do you think there? I mean, I think, you know, if you're not going to play Byfield in the top six at center, then, you know, move him out to the wing, let him play with Shane Wright. Yeah. um, And and do that. And I think that'd be a lot of fun, um, you know, for people to watch. I think Alex Newhook's another guy also. Newhook has to be in there. So, so like, I'm looking at line four right now and I'm thinking, is it like a Newhook, Krebs, Comtois? I mean, you you need a little bit of penalty kill do you want valeno there do you want matt boldy there do you want Connor bedard there yeah or are you taking bedard as the as the, the 12th forward there i think that would be a lot of fun to uh to experiment with and so you know looking at that i don't think valeno cracks this yeah, i think you're um, right you know uh cracks this team and he's he's probably out unless he has a really big year so it's uh, new hook krebs bedard is line is line four and boldy yeah. will be the 13th forward i think yeah, yeah, Matt Boldy would be a good 13th forward there. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15. I have two too many. What what did I do wrong? Um, oh, Comtois. I got to take him out because we're not going to take yeah. him. I think I got everybody else. Maybe maybe it's just 14 and that's fine. <laughs> we'll take 14 forwards. That's a, that's a normal amount of forwards. All right. Spencer Knight's in goal with uh, Carter Hart backing him up. Is Carter Hart young enough? Uh, I don't believe Carter Hart is young enough. I think he's yeah, a little he's too 22. old. Who, um, who's the next goalie? You know, um, and Nadelkovich is too old because uh, he's American-born. Um, that one's a tough one, then. Yeah, I mean, maybe you're pulling a guy like Sebastian Casa, depending on how yeah. he plays. Yeah, that could you be. Know. Uh, so, hard to say for sure who the goalie is going to be, but... Um, that's probably where I'm leaning it right now. Otherwise, I'm not really sure who else you're looking at. Um, and so then defensemen will go probably Keandre and Drysdale. Oh, I guess Caden Primo. Caden Primo. Primo, that's enough. a good one. Yeah. Okay, so. Um, defense, like a kind of Keandre, Drysdale, little little uh, muscle with some speed and craftiness. Byram Power, similar dynamic. That'd be fun. And then I do like Zach Jones. Would you rather play him with a like a Noah Dobson type? Would you rather go Zach Jones with Cam York? Would you rather go Jones and like an Evan Bouchard? What do you think? Jones and York would be a lot of fun. Be a throwback to the uh, you know NTDP program. So I think that would be. A good I'm tempted time. to go Dobson, but we just haven't seen we haven't seen either of these two guys a ton at the NHL level. I mean, Dobson does play for the Islanders, but he's not in a prominent role. Yeah, I, I'm not blown away by Dobson, and I, I do think Zach Jones is is going to be a better defenseman down the line. Um, so I might I might lean towards Zach Jones at the very least for just some of his playmaking ability more than anything else. I think I like his upside, his offensive upside, a bit more. Okay. I'm good with that. Then we're going to take Dobson, and then we can mix and match as it goes, right? Yeah. Yep. Whoa, Sanderson's getting left out in the cold here. I mean, I I wouldn't be opposed to taking Sanderson over Jones either. Again, you know, it it sort of depends on on how these guys develop over the next two years. You could very well have a world where Jake Sanderson looks a little bit better um, 
than Zach Jones. I think both of them are looking really good. So I don't. Think I think I would rather them. take Sanderson than York, if that's okay. That's fine. Yeah. All right, let's do that. I, I, I love me some Cam York, but that that's totally fine. All right, so we got uh, what was the top line? Perfetti, Doc, Lafreniere, yep, Suzuki, Cousins, and Zegras. Then it's then you went with Byfield, Wright, and Caulfield. Yep. And then line four, we said Krebs, Newhook, and Boldy, or Bedard. uh, Bedard. And then Boldy's the the extra forward. Yeah. And then McMichael's an extra forward, then, I guess. Yeah. Okay. All right, that works. And then defense pairs, uh, Keandre Drysdale, Byron Power, Zach Jones, Jake Sanderson with Noah Dobson as the extra, Spencer Knight, and Caden Primo as the goalies. I like that. It's not a bad team. I mean, it'd be a lot of fun, a lot of pace, a lot of skill. Yeah. And who absolutely. knows? Like if you if 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 Jack Hughes or somebody like that or Quinn Hughes gets left out of Team USA or for some reason, uh bring those guys down. I mean, we didn't talk about Luke Hughes. I mean, he's another contender yeah, in, that's a good point. on the defensive side too. So uh, there's a lot of possibilities. And then, you know, we didn't talk about Adam Fantilli in twenty twenty three, but yep. he he's another heck of a hockey player. Rutger McGorty, we didn't talk about. Uh, he's another heck of Logan a hockey Cooley. player. Yeah, so so you know, there's potential for how those guys look after they're drafted, um, and and they could certainly slot in uh, on this team. But I mean, man, that's a loaded that's a loaded team and a lot of fun to watch. Yeah, it is. All right, so uh, sorry to Chris that that I did not uh, really t- take the time to uh, get the full prep for this one. It was never going to be able to fit uh, fully into the episode anyway. But I hope that the Team North America answer uh, is suitable there. Next one is from Brad M who wants to know, could the asking price for Eichel drop considerably if Eisman agrees to take on Jeff Skinner in the same trade? You could acquire and buy out Skinner or is it just not palatable with the cap? I don't think this one works on like a bunch of different levels. Number one, Buffalo's not going to want to make its trade of like the best player. Is he the best player of the last like what, like three decades in Buffalo at least? Uh, best skater. Hashik's still oh, of there. Course. Yes. Um, but yeah, the best skater since right. probably Laf- you know, since probably LaFontaine. I mean, I don't know if they've really had a, a better player since right. that LaFontaine. So even if so, yes, obviously if you add yeah. you know a Jeff Skinner anchor to, to that trade, it makes the price lower. Buffalo's not gonna do that. They're not they're gonna make those on if, if they're gonna do anything with Jeff Skinner, which by the way, I think he has like a no move or at least a no trade that would give him saying it they're not going to tie these two things together you're going to do the eichel deal and then you're going to do whatever you're going to do with jeff skinner buffalo will not do them together like that they would be panned aggressively for effectively using eichel to dump the skinner deal i I just don't see any way that happens right i mean yeah that would that you know putting it in that perspective that you would be trading jack eichel to rid yourself of a contract uh makes absolutely no sense um like i would not be lowering my asking price simply to be free of that contract. Now, there there is a world where you you are Buffalo and you realize things are never going to get better. Uh and and Eichel <laughs> wants out. Well, no, 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 just uh, things never going to get better with Eichel. Like okay. the relationship with 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 Jack Eichel is not going to get better and you have to move him out. If you move him, if you are 100% in the the, the mindset that you have to move him, would not freeing yourself of the Skinner contract allow you to basically have that clean slate? And that's the only potential scenario where I could see this being something that's on the table to consider if you're Buffalo is is really if there is no way you are repairing relationship with Jack Eichel and you just want a fresh start, then that Skinner contract is one of the worst contracts that's sitting on 
you know, <clears throat> that sitting on that cap hit or sitting on the, on the, on the books right now, that's going to create a huge, uh, I think problem for them to try and get better. Right. Yeah. It's just like the comparison I would make is like, imagine like two years ago, someone saying, well, in order to move Ablocator's contract, you know, like you got to throw in Larkin, like any Red Wings fan would have just like slapped you in the face for saying something like that, you know? Yeah. And, and at the same time, you know, if you were the Red Wings and you said, and you know, Dylan Larkin was disgruntled with the organization yeah. and had no desire to be here. That's true. Then would you not consider that? Look, you, you have to consider everything. I'm just saying the, right. the, the likelihood that that's the route you take. Like, I think that the, the better approach with Skinner at that point is just to bite the bullet and do the buyout in a year or whatever. You know, like I, I think you can, you have to get such good value in the Eichel trade that the only way I'm throwing the Skinner situation into it is if someone's saying, okay, well, like, you know, the, the price that, that we're going to pay for this is, uh, is this. And if, if you want to throw Skinner in, we'll take one of these items out or something like, like it has to be the kind of thing where you're still overjoyed with the return that you're getting for Eichel. And it's just kind of this happy little bonus that you get out of Skinner in the same fell swoop or something. I mean, I guess like by definition, it's not impossible that they, that the two things are tied, but I just don't see any way like, like I see why fans would want that. Like as like, Hey, the Red Wings have this space to do this. It could make the Eichel uh, return like lower. Like, yeah, let's, let's think about this kind of thing. But for that exact same reason, Buffalo's like, no, that's going to like tank all my leverage in my highest asset thing that I could ever imaginably do. I mean, and, and that's absolutely fair in the sense that like, if you are trading Jack Eichel, you want to get maximum return. I yeah. think, the challenge is, uh, if you get maximum return, then how are you going to be able to retool that team to get better? And yeah. having Skinner's nine million dollars sitting there is a huge is a huge problem if you're Buffalo. I mean, he's effectively taking up nearly, you know, he's taking up what ten percent of the cap if you're Buffalo. Like that's a that's a huge problem for them that they also need to be rid of if they are going to start fresh. And that's, I think, something we talked about. And buying out Jeff Skinner is not an option, just to say that. That, you know, even if you bought him out after next season, he's on the books until 2031-2032. That's what happens if you buy him out, including the cap, the cap it not, ex- not exactly being great. He would still be at $8.8 million in 22-23 yeah. and as high as $6.3 million in 26-27. So you still are dealing with a huge cap hit, um, at least for the next several years. You'd have to wait many more years before you're able to get free of that deal. So, Well, I uh, guess at that point then what yeah. I'm doing is I'm just hoping that he has some kind of bounce back. Because Jeff Skinner does have a long history of ebbs and flows here. Like he, he'll go, you know, 25 points, 55 points, 31 points, 50 points, 60 points, 49 points, 63 points, 23 points. And now for the first time, really two down years in a row, which is alarming. Don't get me wrong. It's a, it's a very alarming situation. Um, but I guess I'd at least just be hoping that I can get that up to like another 40 to 45 point year before I have to do this and not be trading him at literally the lowest imaginable low. I think you just got to give it time and see if, if it, is at all possible to make this a little easier on you. I don't know. I mean, I, maybe it's naive to think that it's even possible, but I just, to me, uh, I cannot imagine Buffalo torpedoing the Eichel return that way. Yeah. I mean, it's tough to imagine. And at the same time with Skinner, he's going to be 30 next year. Yikes. So that's just not a good spot to be. Yikes. Uh, would you do it as the Red Wings? I guess this is kind of the main point of the question. Um, 
Probably not, because I don't want to deal with that contract. I mean, that contract absolutely hampers your ability to do it. Even if you're adding Jack Eichel, yeah. you're you're still submarining 10% of your cap space with a player that is very quickly depreciating. Yeah. Another reason that I don't think that it, that happens. You know, it just doesn't work yeah. on any level to me. So. Yeah. All right. Uh, on to the next one. This is from a different Brad. This is from Brad S. He says, is there a prospect that would best fit what the Red Wings need regardless of where they're slotted to be drafted? So I think he's asking for a Red Wings player like the guy who you know whether you're talking about first overall whether you're talking about a a guy in the second round you're saying that's a perfect fit for what the red wings need william ecklin skilled center i mean now you're confident he's a center i'm not confident he's a center but i'm still confident that he's the most skilled forward in the draft uh, when you think about the totality of his game and so if i'm taking him and he's the only guy uh outside of Beneers that really has an outside shot at being a center at the next level to me that's what i'm going to bet on and i think he fits regardless of if you take him first if he somehow falls to 10 you know i i'm still taking him he's number 1 on that board there um i think i really like Eklund. i have heard that the 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 what i've heard is that people think he's you know he, he can do both but they think his best position is as a wing um, I don't think that would stop me from taking him at six or seven or eight. It would stop me from taking him at one or two, um, but it would not stop me from taking him at six, seven or eight. If I was the Red Wings, I think that he's a very strong contender at any of those three spots. Uh, I think he's the Red Wings type of player. I think you know, there, there's some real natural fit there. And I think the fact that he can play, he has played center. He's, he came up as a center is always valuable. Even if you don't envision him doing it um, as his primary position in the NHL, it's just valuable to have those guys like, like in, in a Robbie Fabry um, who was able to do it for some time this year. And I didn't think it went exceptionally well for him. I didn't think that the defensive end was quite up, was quite there. Um, but you know, he was able to do it in a pinch and, and he, you, he would be able to do it in a pinch again. And there is still value in that. And at the end of the day, William Eklund is still, I think one of the six, seven or eight best players in this draft. So at six, seven or eight, if you want to take William Eklund, uh, go right ahead. Uh, is there a player who fits with the Red Wings need? I, they just have so many needs, right? Like it's, they know, do. I, I think, uh, another great center is a huge need of theirs. And for that reason, I would say Matthew Benier is, is, is number one, 100% their type of player. 100% fills a big need of theirs. Is he going to be better than Dylan Larkin would be a question of mine. And, you know, I don't think there's necessarily too many people in this draft who are. And so like, that doesn't to me weigh into whether, uh, you know, whether you'd pick him. Um, but like we have talked about, if you're going to win a championship, you probably need a center who's at least as good, if not better than Dylan Larkin. I think Beniers has a chance to be as good. Does he has a chance to be better? That would be my question. Probably, but how, how likely would you make it? I guess. Yeah. And, and that's just so hard to say at this point in time. Um, you know, for me, I sort of think him, think of him as Dylan Larkin light in the mm-hmm. sense that I think he comes in a little bit below Larkin's ceiling. Um, but you know, though you, it's not a bad idea to bet on those guys—the guys that yeah. have this this motor, this drive, this ability to play two ways. Kind of thing. Right, that's exactly right. So it doesn't hurt to bet on those guys. And if you've looked at the Red Wings' last two drafts, that's who they've sort of bet on. Yeah. And I mean, if you hear the descriptions, it's usually good skater, high motor, good skater, high good motor. Sense. Usually, right. Those are the those are the things the Red Wings have been betting on. And so Beniers absolutely fits that. Um, you know, Eklund, I don't think necessarily fits that as well. So I think Beniers is probably a better fit, 
Uh, I, I actually think perspective. he does. I think Eklund checks like he really like what I've I heard just, is that the skating, the skating piece, I think, is a little bit behind Beneers is from what at least from what I've seen and what I've read. And okay. that, that'd be the only the only reason why I think maybe Beneers slots a little ahead. But I think Eklund's obviously got a little bit more of a skill ceiling than, than Beneers does. But, but they both have the compete. And I do think Eklund's yep. a good skater. Like it, it's maybe more driven by edges than top end speed kind of thing. I think like but I, I think he's a good skater. I think he's high compete. He's got skill. He's got sense. I, you know, I don't know that he's got kind of the, the scoring touch, but he can make plays. Um, you know, I, how many goals did Eklund score this year? I mean, he, he was one of the top uh, scorers. Like, if you look, go back and you look at his point totals relative to what, like, guys like oh, Fultz sure. and, and Raymond did yeah. last year. He actually scored quite well. Um I know, yeah, I know he produced, but I was just going to look for the goals specifically. But it's it's, it like it's good. It's, it's eleven, eleven and forty, 11. which isn't like that's unbelievable, right. yeah. but it's solid. It's perfectly solid, yeah. especially for an oh, eighteen year old. So, he had, yeah, he had another goal in the playoffs in the three games, but that was it. So. Yeah, so I mean, that's good. Like, I I really like both yeah. those guys. I think they're very much the Red Wings type, and so uh, I would point to both of them in the top ten. Um, is there a guy in the? later part of the first round or the early second who fits with any i'm thinking of kind of power play quarterbacks in that range maybe corson coolman is he a quarterback he played on the flank of that um world u18 team but i, I think of like another you know kind of mobile uh defenseman who who's i think he scored at least at brant clark's level but he's not going to go as high as brant clark or at least isn't thought to right now corson coolman's kind of thing it, it would maybe with the washington pick would be a guy i would point to maybe yeah i mean he would be in Certainly an interesting guy uh, to consider there. I mean, you almost have to wonder if a guy like Carson Lambos ends up yeah, sliding that, that could far. be too. Yep. Um, and if he does, then then maybe he's another guy that that fits that. Um, you know, there's a guy that I I've sort of liked that. Uh, you know, maybe right now doesn't look the part, but but Scott Morrow is another mm-hmm. defenseman who's got the size, got all of the tools. He's going to be a little bit more of a project. Uh, project is coming out of. Uh, U.S. high school system, but I think he has all the pieces of a of a good defenseman that can do a lot of different things for you. So I think uh, he's certainly a guy I would consider there as well. They've shown a willingness to take projects in these last couple, like Anthony Tomisto, William Wallander. These are guys they took with their first pick of the second round. I don't think there's any reason to think they would approach it dramatically different with a late pick in the first round. Like they're willing to take. Uh, some time with these guys. Yeah, and and he would be a guy I would absolutely give the time of day to because I think he he under the right development staff could be a heck of a hockey player. Um, here was a question that I thought was interesting that I don't quite know how to answer. Uh, this is from Leo Wyatt. He's asking about. He saw an article in Pro Football Focus where NFL players generally play at the value of their draft position, meaning steals, quote unquote, steals on draft days aren't aren't actually steals unless unless players were significant reaches in which case those are generally significantly less valuable than their draft position he wants to know if there's if is there any extent that this is true in the nhl basically what he's saying is on draft day a guy goes later than we expected him to go right and we say this was a major steal right or on draft day a guy goes way earlier than he was expected to go and people say oh this was a reach right but he's saying in the nfl what what this chart i guess has found is that the guys who go later than they were expected that ends up being the right call um, and the guy who goes earlier than they're expected, that more often uh, we end up being correct that that was a reach. Um, my guess is this is kind of one of those like I guess on average that makes a lot of sense, but there's still case I don't I don't have any data on this for the NHL, um, but my guess is it's going to be a, 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 probably a similar trend. 
but you're going to still find steals. Like you're going to still find guys who go in the second. Nick Robertson went in the fifties. And I think people were already looking at that on draft day as a guy who could impress. Right. Yeah. I mean, Nick, Nick Robertson, uh, Jason Robertson went later than he should have. Yep. Uh, Alex Debrinkett's the classic example of this, right? Yep. Like he very clearly should not have gone as late as he did. Braden point. I mean, we, there's so many guys we talk about. Um, I've actually, you know, funnily enough, I've put a graph out, two graphs out on this where I sort of built a, a goals above replacement draft pick curve showing what's the average va- value that teams get from that pick. But then I also put out a curve showing what would a perfect draft look like where each team then subsequently took the next player, the next best player. You imagine that every team knew who was going to be the player. Yeah. That line ends up looking just like a straight line down because there tends to be a set amount of talent in each draft that tends to be consistent year after year. And there seems to be almost a linear deprecation of that until you get sort of around the fifth or sixth round, in which case it sort of levels off. But we're so far from that in the NHL because there are so many guys that outperform in the lower level in the um, in the lower part of the you know second round that the curve very quickly drops through the first round because we do a good job with the first round talents. But then the level off actually happens in the second round, really midway through the second round before well before it actually should happen um, if you were to have a perfect draft. So my answer to the question would actually be. We're very far away from having a quote-unquote perfect draft because the NHL is still way behind the NFL in terms of identifying the best players at the time of the draft. And I think that's because, number one, the NHL is scouting 70 leagues, and the NFL is really looking at college football. And so it's a lot easier, I think, in my opinion, to, to maybe form some or get better data and kind of form your opinions when everybody's sort of right here in front of you in your country You're not relying on scouts to kind of go all over the world to see these guys. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. DirecTV gives you access to apps like Netflix and live sports right next to each other. I don't get it. Let me put it in pigeon terms. It's like that one amazing dumpster with the old fruit and cardboard all in one place. How am I supposed to keep up with illustrative metaphors when you are making me so hungry? Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on DirecTV. Terms and restrictions apply. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. DirecTV gives you access to apps like Netflix and live sports right next to each other. I don't get it. Let me put it in pigeon terms. It's like that one amazing dumpster with the old fruit and cardboard all in one place. How am I supposed to keep up with illustrative metaphors when you are making me so hungry? Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on Direct TV. Terms and restrictions apply. All right, I'm going to uh, punt and lose my bet here. So this one's from Ryan because they were willing to, to, to uh, leave us a little message there. I do feel like we should answer the question. It's at Prashant, would you rather draft Jesper Wallstedt with a top 10 pick or draft Kosa with the Washington pick, but two more goalies the rest of the draft, one in the second and one in the fifth? I guess technically this isn't having the goalie debate. This is just a would you rather. I mean, I would probably rather. Oh, God. They're both <laughs> awful. It's number two. Um, it's totally number two. You'd rather take Kosa. Yeah, I mean, it's it's number two. You'd rather take Kosa and you'd rather take, you know, a goalie in the second and, 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 and a goalie in the fifth. But 
man, that sucks. Because ultimately, what this is, like, you can you can equivalent, you can make an equivalent here, right? It's like, do you want to take Wallstead with like the sixth or seventh pick, or do you want to effectively trade up uh, from twenty four with the second and fifth, and just uh, you know to like. 18 or whatever and take Kosa because that's about what it would cost to trade up to do that a second and a fifth you know what I mean like I think you can totally rationalize the second one as like all right and just be punting those picks but if you are drafting three goalies or two goalies in the first two rounds uh your head would explode right I mean it it very well would because why why are you wasting your draft capital just do it later there's there's goalies that are going to go later you know the Ben Ben Gaudreau is going to go later and, and he'll be just fine he'll I would I will stake another bold claim that Ben Gondreau has at least as good of a career as Sebastian Casa. All right. Sebastian Casa gets a lot of So maybe press. you draft both. Maybe you draft Casa. <laughs> and then you take Gondreau on the fifth, right? No. No. Don't do that. Earliest you can do it is the third round. That's the earliest I'll allow it. All right. Fair enough. And then uh, Beer League Chump also asked one. He said, does the early success of Spencer Knight and the notion that Jesper Wallstead is already more polished with, with pro experience at the same age make you any more willing to select him given this draft class and how far would he have to fall for you to feel comfortable? This is, this is actually a great question because this is sort of the, the one glaring piece I'm missing in my whole goalie spiel is are, are we getting better at identifying goalies? Everything I've, I've sort of stated is based on historical evaluation of goaltenders that thus far has, has sort of proven that we're still good at finding them in later rounds. That being said, even if Walstead is a hell of a goaltender, even if he is just as good as Spencer Knight, the challenge then becomes, can you get maximum value from Walstead while he's on his ELC and before you have to pay him a ton of money? Because that's the other challenge that some of these other teams are going to face. You know, if Spencer Knight comes in and, and saves Florida season, and let's say they turn it around and they beat Tampa, like if Spencer Knight is able to do that and then has a really good next season, how does Florida get through a Spencer Knight contract? Their, their instinct should be to give them many years and lots of dollars. And now, one, they're already stuck because of Bobrovsky's contract. But two, now they're going to tie up another chunk of money and another goaltender. And it sort of limits your ability to, to maneuver the within the cap. And you see this with, with Tampa now having to sort of do cap gymnastics now that Vasilevsky's extension has kicked in. I think that's the other issue. So... If you're prepared to maximize Wallstead's ELC, I say go for it. But if you're not, then then I have a little bit of hesitancy in doing that. So your yours is d- dependent on whether or not they're going to be willing to spend all three years of that contract in the NHL as opposed to kind of burning one of them in the AHL. Yeah, basically, I, I don't want to be burning these years willy-nilly. I think for a lot of players, you sort of want to because you want to get them to the negotiating table sooner. But particularly with goaltenders, and, and this is actually something I need to look into, so I may be wrong uh, stating this here, but I would suspect that goaltenders maybe see larger increases in their contracts from their ELC to their next deal maybe compared to some skaters, uh, you know, forwards and defensemen. That would be my hypothesis. At the end of the day, it's all about not tying up a lot of money in the goaltending position when we've thus far shown that year after year you can pluck good goalies out of free agency for $3 bucks and get, get above average goaltending. So, you know, you don't really need to spend that much more to, to make it happen. You know, look at, look at Jack Campbell in Toronto yeah. right now. Look at Jack. I mean, yes, he's a former first-round pick, but... He didn't do it for Dallas. Yeah. He played one game for Dallas. He didn't do it for a second team either. He didn't do it for Los Angeles. 
And here he is now towards, you know, really 10 years what into his career. What did Toronto get for, like a second round pick or something? Yeah, yeah, if I remember correctly. And so now 10 years into his career, he's doing it. Jonathan Bernie's doing it for the Red Wings. Yep. He played, what, four, we said 40 games for Los Angeles? Yep. And got him just so, for money. Got got him just for three point, you know, three million dollars. So that's that's sort of my my spiel. And is it's it goes beyond just the specific player. It's also the position. Very measured final word on the goalie debate uh, for for the show. So very very nicely done. I appreciate that. You know, I had to at least give some credence. It was a very good question, and that is the kind of question we have to keep asking ourselves. Yes, and uh, Nick was kind enough to uh, do uh, one of these little messages for us. So we will get to that uh, now. Hey guys, this is Nick, aka Beer League Chump from the Hell Site. You know, they say all good things come to an end, but I guess that goes for podcasts as well. It's a real shame that Wings for Breakfast is coming to a close, but I know there was no way that Prashant was going to be able to turn down the opportunity to run PR for the Lightning. Seriously though, Prashant, you should be in a front office. It's sad to see the show go. It's going to leave a big hole in the Red Wings podcasting landscape, but with any luck, this won't be the last we hear from either of you guys in an audio format. Bellas! Chris Meany here, the original producer of Wings for Breakfast. What can I say, WFB? Hell of a name. Just an okay show. <laughs> Clearly. I'd like to say it was the glue that held us together, kept this show on the air. But we all know that wasn't the case. Y'all had no hope in hell when you were assigned to Detroit Red Wings podcast. I mean, Max only <laughs> slept in once. Prashant only ripped Carey Price four times a year, maybe five, six times a year. The only four times Detroit played Montreal last season, four Detroit wins, four separate bashings towards Mr. Carey Price. Broke my heart. Jokes aside, I didn't really know what to expect from Wings for Breakfast, considering the Red Wings were historically bad last season. So bad the NHL had to go on pause just to give them a break from the remaining schedule. That's it, you're done. Not even getting a first pick. Too awful. Screw that. Kind of like the show. Despite all that, you both made it work really well. Both creative, entertaining during difficult times. Not going to lie how many times uh, I needed both you guys just to chat and hear you guys talk hockey. Both highly intelligent people, dedicated, passionate, talented. Most of all, just good dudes. Congrats on a great experience, a lot of fun shows. Looking back, probably my favorites, the 96 Red Wings Avs debate, re-watching that big game. Know, before Max was born, had to fill him in. Prashant, <laughs> a lot of big plays in that uh, in that series, big rivalry. The playoff matchups episode, like 0102 Red Wings versus 96, 95, 96 Red Wings. Uh, good times, guys. You really made it work. Prashant, congrats and best of luck to you, man, on your new adventure in life. Max, keep killing it, brother. I'll be reading your work, both of your guys' work, and learning a thing or two along the way. It was a pleasure. Peace. First of all, I love that um, Nick had to get one more dig on you on the LTIR Tampa thing. <laughs> Have to. Have to. I will continue to run PR for the Lightning. I will continue to be the one that uh, holds Toronto reporters in check when they want to talk about Aston, Austin Matthews' goal totals. <laughs> I will be the one that is ruthlessly objective. So, can't 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 let that go. No. And then, man... Uh, it's so good to have. I don't. Is that the first time Chris has like spoken on Wings for Breakfast? Our former producer. I think so because the the one episode we were gonna have him speak on, uh, I think he couldn't end up making the episode. So we <laughs> recorded it separately. It was actually you know when, when we were recording the rewatch of of the fight night at the Joe, and and I think Chris was really amped to speak on it, and then I think he ended up having something come up, and 
and wasn't able to talk. And so it sounds like he had to walk you through the game. <laughs> That's incredible. Um, for those who don't know, Chris was our first producer of Wings for Breakfast. He's not with us anymore. Um, he's he's uh, he's a great guy, and he, he's working on the he's at FTN doing fantasy stuff. I bug him constantly for. Uh, fantasy sports advice and he is a wealth of knowledge so would highly recommend uh, subscribing to his stuff and and getting all those insights also wanted to give a shout out to danielle who came in um, about a year ago and, and took over as the producer and she has been um, phenomenal to work with as well like you know danielle have you ever talked on the podcast before do you want to i don't think i have all right well let's get it let's get it right yeah. now well everyone this is danielle do it. <laughs> hello everyone makes the <laughs> magic know? happen yeah <laughs> i'd wait till the very last episode to you know, have everyone fall in love with me. You know? That's right. I mean, you got to leave them wanting more. You can't. You can't. Uh, right? You can't let us ruin your reputation too much. But that's, that's true. Right. <laughs> no. So so that's great. I was. It was great to hear uh, from for both of you guys. Make sure both of you get your uh, your moment on the show before it does come to an end because you guys have been so integral to to what the show has been. And uh, yeah. So we're gonna wrap up here now with uh, we did a trivia episode last summer. And uh, it was pretty well received. I thought we were planning to do another one at some point. And then, um, you know, the end arrived and we were like, oh, no, we haven't done it. So uh, what we're going to do here is we're going to have one round, one round of trivia, five questions each with a bonus question uh, in the event of a tie. Um, Winner gets the last word on Wings for Breakfast. And that'll be that. How's that sound? I love it. All right. uh, Flip a coin for who goes first. What do you want to do? I think I think I should uh, defer to you. I want to go second. I want to know what All I'm right. up against. All right. So then, so so then you can lay the first question on me then, and we'll just trade questions all the way through. That makes sense. Tra- trading questions right? makes a lot of sense. Yeah. All right. All right. Let me Let's pull up my it. little question. So, so the the category for everybody listening out there, we decided to do um, my time on the beat because Prashant has a distinct historical advantage on me. I think, as uh, as everybody knows. So uh, it's going to be the Red Wings <laughs> circa 2018. Through uh, through 2021 is, is our our time frame here, and uh, yeah, so that's that's how we're gonna do it. Um, I think technically we said 2018 trade deadline is when we're gonna start this, right? right? So that is February 26, 2018, and on. All right, I did mine all from when I actually you know 20 start 2018 on, which is fine. Um, so to Prashant to start out, since we know you are uh, such a believer in goalies, six goalies have played a game for the Red Wings since 2018-19 season. Can you name them? Uh, so Jimmy Howard, Jonathan Bernier, uh, you've got Thomas Grace, you've got Eric Comrie, you've got Calvin Pickard. Uh, I'm going to go with, who's the last one? It's got to be like Jared Carroll or something like that. It was something like that, but it was Caden Fulcher. Ah, damn, I didn't realize he actually got into a game. That he was did. He got into one. I think that's why he's expansion draft eligible, is it not? That's probably right. <laughs> oh, man, I can't believe I missed that one. Carroll has been long gone. I should have known that. I, he he did play one, though. Was it in 2018 or was it in 2017? Uh, Carroll would have been 2017. I think okay. he was last. his last season was the last year at the Joe, if I remember correctly. Oh, that makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah, Caden so. Fulcher got into one game. He made nine saves. What a what what a memory! What a yeah. memory! All right, all right. On to you. All right. Well, uh, so I, I took it a little bit step further, and not only did I come up with questions, but I actually crowdsourced my questions from our listeners. Oh no! To just step it up to a just embarrass bit here. me further. Well, you know, everyone wanted a shot at doing it, 
So I'll start with a nice, easy one. This is from Nick, a.k.a. Beer League Chump. Max, you officially joined the Athletics Red Wing coverage at the 2017-2018 trade deadline. How many games did it take before you covered a Red Wings victory? Four. They lost... 10 consecutive oh, wow. games. Well, see, okay, so here's here's where this was tricky, right? Is because <laughs> I was not technically the beat writer at that time. So I was not even living in Detroit. Uh, but that is when I started covering the Red Wings. So I, really, I guess I would say I joined the beat at the draft. But I was covering the 2018 de- trade deadline. But I wouldn't have been, like, at, at all those games between the deadline and the draft. So that's how I'm going to um, justify getting that wrong. I probably should have remembered a 10-game losing streak. But there have been plenty in the meantime, too. They all blur together. There, there have been. There have been lots of 10-game <laughs> losing streaks, and this was just one of the very first one of your uh, your uh, your time on the Red Wings coverage. But that yeah, one I was not actually going losses. to, so that I, I do think I deserve a little bit of a pass for that. <laughs> All right. I'll, gi- I'll, gi- I'll give you a little bit of a pass. Uh. Just a spiritual one. I still get the question. <laughs> All right. Uh, question two for you. How many Czech players have the Red Wings had since 2018-19? There was a time when I was trying to learn Czech. Uh, because there were some there was some uh, some Czech influence in the locker room, I thought, okay, maybe I should be able to speak Czech. I downloaded on Duolingo. Actually, I'm still paying for Duolingo, trying to learn Czech. Uh, and what I have learned is it is exceptionally hard to learn Czech. All right, Czech. So obviously you have Zadina, yep, Horonic, yep. and Jacob Verana, yep. Um, Thomas Vanek was Slovakian. So I'm going to set him aside. Obviously, Yamir Yager has not played for the Red Wings. Dominic Hasek has not come back in 2018, 2019. Um, yeah, I'm stuck with just uh, those three because Yurko was also Slovakian. Yeah, that's what I that's what I got. And Andre Nostrasho was, was gone. So There are Martin five. Ferk. Martin Furk. Okay, so I'll give you that one. All right. All right. So there's, there's one four. more. Yeah, I'm probably not. I'm probably not going to land this fifth one unless you're talking about Mrazek at the deadline. But no, no. Okay, that so. would be Libor Sulak, oh, the legend. Jeffrey, the legend, the legendary 26 year old that came over for a season and went back to the Czech Republic. So I wanted to do one that was about like the the Rubings have the one Euro every year who comes over and and there's a lot of buzz and then it doesn't quite materialize. Matthias Bromay probably had the most successful run of any of these so far. It was first it was Sulak and then it was Oliver Kasky. And well, this really Brumman. even predates that. I mean, Damian Brunner came over in 2012-2013 from oh, okay. Switzerland, and and he actually had a really nice playoff year, but then he, he very quickly uh, uh, went away from there. But at that time, there was actually Fabian Brunstrom and, and Damian Brunner were the two two Euro guys everyone wanted. Brunstrom the went Brun to Dallas. Brothers. Yeah, Brunstrom went to Dallas. Damian Brunner uh, went to uh, Detroit. But it's fun. It's fun time. But yeah, they've been doing it for a while. All right. Well, Libor Sulak, thank you very much. Still 0-0. Still 0-0. All right. Um, this one is from Rohan. So It's going to be about a jersey. It's going to be like, what's the Adidas model of jersey that the Red Wings wear? And I'm going to have no idea. <laughs> That's exactly it. No. It's, uh, since you took over the beat, three Red Wings have scored their 100th career goal in a Ooh. Red Wings uniform. Okay. Name them. Dylan Larkin. Okay. Tyler Bertuzzi. No. Ah. Uh, He's not at 100 goals. Andreas Athanasiu? No. I guess I'm Max, out. think about who asked you the question. Oh, Darren Helm. <laughs> Darren Helm. And then Justin Abdelkader. Oh, that's great. I, so, I would have bet Bertuzzi had done it. What's he at? Like 80-something? Yeah, and then Mantha's at 99. So. Oh, wow. So, yeah. 
You got close. Um, but yeah, Dylan Larkin did it uh, January 18th, 2020 against Florida. In fact, Darren Helm assisted on that goal. Darren Helm did it March 14th, 2019 versus Tampa. Justin Applicator did it April 7th, 2018 versus the Islanders. That's great. All right, still 0-0. What if we end this and none of us get a question, right? <laughs> that's such there, a good way there, to go out. There, there's just no more words left for <laughs> wings for breakfast. We've used them all. <laughs> all right, question three. Steve Eiserman has made a trade with more than half the teams in the NHL since becoming GM, and that does include draft day trade-up trade-downs. Just tell me five of the 15 teams he has not traded with. No, you cannot say Seattle. All right. So the reason I included the draft day ones is because I wanted there to be like a landmine vibe to this, that you don't quite know who they traded with in like the fifth round for some stuff. Um, So, yeah. I mean, it's very much a landmine scenario. Um, Well, that's a lot of fun. Uh, Let's drop the first one and say Florida. Florida, they have not made a trade with. That was the one Allison guessed too when I was reading these to her. Yeah. So good job. Um, Yeah, they made all those trades. Prior to Eiserman, but, but Jakob yes. Kindle and what and Vanek and all of that. So but not I'll under give, Yeah, I'll take Florida. I'll take Nashville. Nashville's correct. Okay. Um, let's see here. I will take Anaheim. Anaheim is correct. Oh God, I should have made this harder. I should have made it like tell me all of them. <laughs> we'll take. Minnesota. Minnesota, they have made a trade with. Thank God. That's one of your draft day landmines. That was the uh, the trade that netted Emil Vero. Recently All signed right. Emil Vero. A trade down from number 65 with Minnesota. Minnesota took Damon Hunt. And the Red Wings got Emil Vero and Alex Cotton out of it. But you can uh, keep guessing if you want. If you want to keep trying. I'll give you <laughs> no, one. I mean, I'm, I'm, I mean. Sort of a, I'm sort of a bouncing all around the league here and, and, and thinking through them and trying to run through the deals in my head. Um, you know, there's some there's some good landmines in there for sure. Uh, you know, the I'm trying to think if there's any other really good ones um, that are worth uh, dropping. Like Toronto, I don't think he's made a deal with Toronto, has he? I don't think he has either. Let me double check. Because Timoshov came from the Islanders. Right. He has not made. Timoshov came from waivers, but he went yeah, to the Islanders. Yeah, that's waivers, yeah. yeah. And then went to the Islanders afterwards. Yeah, you're right. And then I don't think he's made a deal with Vancouver. He has the David he Pope has. trade. Oh, the Alex Biega right. David Biega Pope deal. trade. <laughs> Damn it. All right. Well, there's two. That's, at that's least that at least you got to go out on an actual trade though, you know. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, an actual deal. Well, you know, the first instinct was to say Carolina and then I remembered Alex Kasky. Kasky. That's right. right? So, <laughs> I was you know. sure you were going to guess one of those, so. No, that's no. Good. Remembered Kasky. All right. All right. So this is a uh, another fun question. This one comes from Cody Stark. Okay. With the NHL expansion draft coming up, I thought it would be fun to take a look back. Uh-oh. You penned version 1.0 of oh. the Red Wings expansion draft protection list on December 9th, 2018. Which skaters did you protect? Oh, God. Okay, so this one is great. So, uh, first of all, shout out to Cody. Cody sent me, um, I bought a bottle of his like homemade like seasoning for like meat and vegetables it's awesome I highly recommend if, if cody uh, ever decides he wants to go big uh you know everyone should go should buy some of that um okay this is great okay so i remember writing this one because i remember how much how hard it was to get up to speed on the expansion draft rules having not covered the other expansion draft that had happened like a year earlier and trying to figure out who was eligible and who wasn't and all that 
So I want to say that I protected on, among defensemen, I would have protected DeKaiser, Chalowski, and Hironic. Nope. What? Who else did I protect? You Cronwall? Get- Vili Sariarvi. Wow. <laughs> the Arizona Coyotes legend. And and who? Chalowski and DeKaiser? Chalowski and Ronick, yeah. Oh, Chalowski and Ronick. Okay, I left yeah. DeKaiser exposed. Yeah. Well, I'm probably going to get that right at least. Not Sariarvi. <laughs> wow, that's... Wow. What about your forwards? Forwards would have been Larkin, Mantha, Bertuzzi, Rasmussen. Yep. yep. Who else was Anthony CU? Yep. There's got to be some funny forwards on there. You got two more fun forwards left. (laughs) I can't even imagine who this would be. Nielsen? No, you actually (laughs) did not protect Franz Nielsen. You left him exposed. That's good. Um. (laughs) So you, at the time, December 9th, 2018... Did not know that Philip Zadina would not need to be protected. Oh, because okay, protected, so I protected him. him. That makes sense. And then you protected Evgeny Svechnikov. Okay, I feel a little so, better about that one than I, yeah. than I do about the Vili. The Vili Sariarvi one's the only. Um, <laughs> That's such a great only artifact. <laughs> hey, props to Cody for pulling that one out. That's a great and, uh, one, Cody. Using your own article against you, I thought that was a lot of fun there. That's fantastic. All right. Number four, which Red Wing has played the most game? Oh, this one you'll get right. The most games since 2018-19. This will save us from the shutout. Will it? Because, you know, normally I would say Dylan Larkin, um, you know, for this answer. But since 18-19, I think it's Philip Ronick. No, because Ronick didn't play the full season. So you oh, were supposed about- to you were supposed uh, gotcha. to think that it was Dylan Larkin. But it actually was Luke Glendening who had one more oh than Dylan God. Larkin. Larkin oh had 191. God. Luke Glendening. Well, that's had why I, I figured it wasn't as easy as Larkin. <laughs> and I was trying to think of another guy who would be, and I just assumed it'd be Aronic. Because Aronic started in the AHL that year. That's right. That's right. He started in the AHL, and then he came up and played. So, dang it! All right. Oh no, we're in trouble. <laughs> I love it. I love it. We're just so good at at this here. All right. You'll 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 probably get you'll probably get this one here. Um. So, let's see. This one is from Lars. So, Max, you know I love drafting goaltenders. Who is the highest drafted goaltender selected by the Red Wings in the three drafts you've covered? Oh, okay. I can do that. Uh, So, the goaltenders selected in my time on the beat are, it's not Guylander. He was a late round pick. I don't believe it's Bednar. He was a fourth. It was a Swedish goalie. And I'm just trying to remember if it's Eliasson or Bratstrom. Both were 2018 picks. Oh, God. I think it's Eli- Jesper Eliasson. Nailed it. Let's go. There's 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 the one point and someone is on the board. <laughs> so Lar- Lars uh, had to make sure it was a Swedish goalie question. So yes, that's very go. good. They were both they were both Swedish, so I, I could have I guess deduced that it would be a Swedish goalie, but I didn't know which one of those two it was. I think Bradstrom yeah. was a sixth rounder, is that right? Yep, and Eliasson went eighty fourth overall. Oh, that's a so. huge relief. All right. 
we both came up with the same question for number five. We sent these to our producers in advance to prevent that from happening, and we did both come up with the question of how many Red Wings have recorded hat tricks since 2018-19. So we had to redo that one. So here is my redone question five. How many top 10 NHL draft picks have played for the Red Wings since 2018-19? Bonus points if you can name them, I guess. Not actual bonus points, but I'll be more impressed. Top 10. So Zadina and Rasmussen. Yep. Um, Sam Gagne. Yep. Bernier, I think, was 10th. He was 11th. Ah. But I won't hold that against you. Mark Stahl was 5th? Was he? I thought he was 12th. It might be 12th. I thought he was 5th for some I'm he going off, obviously. I'm, okay, I'm obviously going off the top of my head there. Um, but obviously Zadina and Rasmussen are the, the big two. You said Gagne. That's right. And I said Gagne so you got, also. You got three. And we're going to say you're still in it here. So you got to get to the total number. Since 2018. And you said how many there were? I didn't. That's the Oh, question. you didn't. Um, let's see. Thomas Vanek? That's correct. Okay. Um, man, this is, uh, this is tough. I'm going to stop Green. giving feedback along the way now. I will tell you ones that are correct. Yeah. No, actually, yeah. I won't, because then I, that means I have to tell you ones that aren't correct. I'm going to stop giving feedback now. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, I don't think Mike Green was top 10, so I'm going to set him aside. Val Fippel obviously wasn't. Mantha's not. Prana's not. Fabry's not. Valeno's not. Yeah, I might have to stop at those four. I don't know that I got any others. From right. 1819, because yeah, yeah. Since 1819. Since 1819, yeah. I don't I don't have any more than those four. Alright, you missed your boy, Bobby Ryan. Ah, Bobby Number Ryan, two, of course. And you missed the one that was supposed to be in there to throw you off, Dylan McElrath at number ten. Of course. So who could forget? <clears throat> who could forget that? Alright, let's let's add the bonus questions in here, because I don't want to win one to zero. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, don't worry. I've got. Well, I still got, get my fifth question, though. Right. Right. You do. You okay, still great, get your fifth great. question to to run up the score here. Um, and so let's see. Where am I going to go here? So there. So this one is is one for me because I obviously have my own questions in here. So there haven't been many wins over the last three seasons. True. Which team has Detroit recorded the most victories against in the last three seasons? So this is 18, 19, 19, 20, and 2021. I think it's the Tampa Bay Lightning. You would not be correct. Uh, That is actually tied for fourth. uh, They have beaten the Lightning four times. It's Carolina. uh, I knew it was one of these two, but I thought... They've beaten Carolina six times. Wow. So they beat them twice in... uh, 1819, they did not beat them in 1920, and they beat them four times this year. That's what threw me, is I knew they didn't beat Carolina at all last year. So I knew they beat Carolina four times this year, Tampa three times this year. And I remember to win against Tampa late last season, so I thought, okay, there must have been another one. And, that's and they went over in the year before. Oh, so. That's tough. So it is fun. And then the, the, the second part for, for, for bonus points on it is, which team does Detroit have the highest winning percentage against? Montreal. So it would be... Montreal, if you were only including all those games, but it's uh, they went 4-0 against Montreal last year, but the previous season they actually didn't do as well. It's actually Boston. Oh, they're five and two against Boston. What? Yep. That's shocking. Five and two. Huh. I have had this theory for a while that the Red Wings 
do well against teams that are really like really reliant on one single top line like the Bruins are like they they get a lot of their scoring from the Bergeron line the Oilers get a lot of their scoring from the McDavid line and the Red Wings have I think on my timeline to be anecdotally done pretty well against teams that are constructed like that yeah so the teams that the Red Wings have the most wins against uh since 1819 Carolina Boston Columbus Nashville Dallas Tampa Montreal so Carolina would be the big exception to that rule that really? I was just saying but yeah. I mean otherwise like that's a that's a solid group of teams yeah. to be beaten up on so they kind just don't fits win the, the argument ones. that they're like more like frustrating to play against kind of thing yeah and like yeah yeah I mean they're a frustrating team for skilled teams to play against so yeah all right uh my bonus question for you both Jacob Verana and Anthony Mantha, who were traded for each other this season, have both had four goal games against the Dallas Stars. Who did it on fewer shots on goal? Oh, that's fun. I think Verana went four for five, right? Four for six, but he has the correct answer. Four for six. Yep. Yeah, because Mantha that game had like eight or nine shots on eight goal. Eight shots, that's right. Yeah. yeah. He was, right, I remember so. he was all over the place there. A one-one tie, so that actually is pretty fair. Well, well I do, I do have to leave you your bonus question. Oh, okay, right? great, great. Um, you've covered the eighteen, nineteen, and twenty drafts. Yes. How many players drafted by the Red Wings have made their NHL debut? Oh, I can get that. All right, so Zadina is one, Valeno is two. I think that's it. Alec Regula. Has played three games for Chicago. Oh, <laughs> oh that's so good. <laughs> Such a fun trivia question, that's right? Because everyone's going to get Zadina and Valeno, but Alec Regula has played three I games. I couldn't even remember who the third round picks are. It's Barton and Regula now that I think about yep. it. Oh, yep. wow. That's a great one. That's a great so, one. Question. That is a fun one. That is a special for me. So, Well, what do we All do right. then? Who gets so the last one time? I think I think the the tie goes to 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 you, Max. Here, I think we should leave it that way. <laughs> All right. Um, well, I don't really know what to say. I, I didn't. I honestly expected to get my ass handed to me in this, so I didn't really prepare anything. This is a sign off. Um, but I guess I'll just thank everybody for for sticking with us for uh, the last couple of years. It's been a blast. I, we absolutely could not have done the show without everybody's involvement, uh, whether that be talking about Chris and Danielle, our producers, without the support of the athletic for letting us start the show. Um, and certainly without the listeners for, like I said, driving a lot of the discussion here and, and certainly, uh, making sure that the, the higher ups wanted to keep us going at all. So thank you all to everybody. Uh, and I hope that yeah, it's a, it's a fun, I mean, I'm not going anywhere. You guys are, I'm not, I, I, we, we've been leaning into the funeral, uh, thing here but i'm not going anywhere you'll still be reading hopefully uh some of this stuff on on theathletic.com we'd love to have you subscribe if you're not already um so i'm not we're not going anywhere you're still going to be hearing from prashant and i on twitter we're still probably going to be uh we'll probably just have a lot of our bullshit conversations out on on main rather than on the podcast right i mean yeah now you're just going to have to see the 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 public hilarity of some of the shit we say to one another and (laughs) And, and recognize how wrong and right we can be sometimes. And, you know, it's it's just fun like that. You know, you, you just get my unfiltered hot takes on publicly instead of just going to Max's, uh, Max's phone. Yeah, and, and uh, I'm not going to be able to do any uh, preemptive cooling down of those takes before they hit air. <laughs> They're just going to be live and everyone's going to have to deal with them. I mean, you know, it's it's me in December of 2020 texting Max. Troy Setcher's the best defenseman on this team. <laughs> and it's just gonna it's just going to be out there for everyone to see. 
I can't wait for it. Thanks everybody for listening. And uh, we'll talk to you soon in some format or another.